God often reveals his truth to us, whether it is about himself, us, or the relationships therein through the natural world. This is revealed to us by Paul in Romans 1, 19-20, which says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. This is also true for man-made things such as film, and I would like to show how he does just that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Welcome to Oh How Marvelous, episode 16, and today we'll be talking about Spider-Man Homecoming. But before we dive into the movie, I first wanted to apologize that it's been quite a while, like several months in fact, since I put out my last episode, which was Captain America Civil War. Uh, I did not intend for this long break to happen, but just life got at me um, between my two jobs and uh, other things in life, um, which I will tell you about in a second. But yeah, I'm sorry that it's been a while, and I hope to get back into the groove of things. Um, so we'll see what happens, but I can't make any promises. Life is life, you know, and well, you can't really do anything about the curveballs that come in life, and you got to take care of them. So, um, but all good things have come from what has happened to me recently, so I cannot complain. I am thankful to the Lord for these things. So during this long hiatus, I actually got myself a new phone. I upgraded. I only really upgraded because my old phone, um, the back portion of it was like the glue was no longer holding, and so it was about to fall apart anyway. Um, other than that, it was a good phone, but I just needed to get a new phone. I was eligible for an upgrade anyway. So, I mean, might as well get a new phone, right? Um, so also I got a new car. My other car, um, yes, it broke down and it was worth more than the car itself to fix. So I had to just get a new car to finally decided to go to a dealership. And I'm glad I did because now I have a car that's so reliable for me. I love it. It has Bluetooth, touchscreen, backup camera, all that. Um, I love it. Um, also, I have a niece now. She was born um, just about two, three weeks ago, I want to say. Um, so, yeah, um, I cannot wait to meet her. I think I will get to do so for New Year's. So, that will be awesome. Um so yeah, all good things happened while I was gone, and that is kind of why I had such a long hiatus, unintentionally, of course. So, um, also, on a more recent note, actually, 
I recorded on a friend's podcast as a guest. Um, it is called the Mad Trivia Podcast. Um, it has two episodes out now. I'm on the second episode. So go check that out. I think um, John is the host's name. He made the podcast available on just about every podcast platform there is. That Well, major ones, really, anyway. I know it's available on Spotify and Apple. Um, but you can go check that out there. Um, go hear my voice some more. Um, see... Um, what John has there with Mad Trivia podcast. So, yeah, um, my pod, my episode for that is out now. So go check it out. Um, can't wait to hear some feedback from y'all there. That'd be really cool. And also, one last update. While I was gone still, I created a TikTok for this very page and a personal one. My personal TikTok is at Christ Anchored, if you would like to check that out. And the podcast TikTok is at Oh How Marvelous Podcast. So go check that out. Um, I think that's where I'm going to be giving some updates, some reaction videos to new Marvel projects that are coming out. Um... Whether they're spoiler-free or not, um, I guess it's just dependent upon the way I feel in that moment um, during that day. And so, yeah, be sure to check that out. I also have some just general Marvel-related um, TikTok videos there for you. So be sure to check that out. And, of course, there's always the Discord to join. So if you're wanting to join our Discord, please feel free to email me at mcudevos at gmail.com. That is mcudevos at gmail.com. Also, if you want to message me through the Facebook or Instagram pages, that is fine too. So, yeah. Um, and with that being said, I think we could finally get to the movie Spider-Man Homecoming. So, my theater experience for Spider-Man Homecoming, I don't remember seeing it in theaters. I... I believe that I actually did see it in theaters, but I don't remember the experience itself. Um, it was the summer of 2017, so I think I had just started a job, um, and so I guess the memory of that's muddled into that job there. Um, but I do remember that I've always enjoyed this movie. Um, despite, as I've told you in the Civil War episode, Spider-Man is my second favorite Marvel character, um, before the Infinity Saga started, before the MCU even started, yeah, Spider-Man was my number one, mainly because he was just about the only character <laughs> that came to the movies at that point. And so I just came to love Spider-Man. Um, and so Tom Holland really enhanced that love for Spider-Man for me. Um, I may have said this before in the podcast, I don't know, but... I think Andrew Garfield was great as Peter, not Peter Parker. He was great as Spider-Man. Um, Tobey Maguire was great as Peter Parker. And Tom Holland just masters both. And so, for sure, certainly, Tom Holland is my favorite Spider-Man between the three. Um, I'm not going to count all those animated Spider-Man and their voice actors and whatnot. Because... Um, that could cause a whole nother kerfluffle, but, um, yeah, 
but I've always enjoyed it, and I loved the tension at the plot twist scene, and I'll talk more about that, because I'll get that into that when I talk about my favorite scenes. Um, now, as far as gripes go, I don't think I had any gripes. I think this movie was pretty dang good, especially for a Marvel um, revamp. It's just another revamp of Spider-Man. And I remember, like, leading up to when this movie came out, how people were just complaining, ah, why are they making yet another version of Spider-Man? And I was like, guys, it's the MCU's version. They're going to do it well. It's not going to be like it's Andrew Garfield. Who, by the way, is very much underappreciated. I will get into that in No Way Home. But, um, it's not going to be another Andrew Garfield. Like, they're going to do it right. They're going to do it right because they want to continue this character within the MCU and not just in his own universe. And so, I definitely remember those complaints, but I was still very much looking forward to this movie. So, um... My favorite character, of course, was Peter Parker. Um, Tom Holland plays the part real well. Um, I don't know how actors can carry on an ongoing role with an accent that is different from what is natural to them. Um, it's crazy to me. And an honorary character here for me is MJ. I gotta mention MJ like they kind of introduce us to her in this movie. Um, and then they delve more into her in Far From Home, of course. But I, I just love that she's sort of a side character that just <laughs> feels like a creep, but she's, it just shows how smart she is. Um, and, like, she sums it up pretty well in the scene um, where she's like, I know you skip band practice or whatever, and she's like, what, I'm not creepy, I'm just observant. <laughs> and so... I just love that they added MJ um, and her personality to this movie. Um, honestly, they could have done this movie without that, but I think it really mu very much enhances it. Um, they could have introduced her in Far From Home. That would have been fine. Um, now, I've heard some complaints about why would they change MJ from Mary Jane to Michelle Jones. But, I mean, I don't care. It's MJ. They're they're trying to go along with the MJ thing and be their own version of Spider-Man, I guess. But to try not to go along with um, the storyline of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, I guess. Um, so, yeah. And, of course, Ned himself was great. He was a great uh, best friend to, to Peter. Um, I love the scene where he sees Peter crawling into this bedroom and he's like what you're the spider-man what and I just love that he has so many questions about the Avengers um I like pausing to pay attention to what those questions specifically are and they're hilarious like uh <laughs> is Captain America really a nice guy or is he just like an old grandpa grumpy guy <laughs> I, I love those questions so as for my favorite scene I had several fantastic scenes to pick from so um honorary members of this crowd um go to the scene where peter is trapped um after he um confronts vulture for the last time and uh vulture traps him in the building and he's like come on peter you can do this spider-man 
Uh, that's a great scene. I, it apparently comes right straight from the comics. And so um, I love that it parallels to that. Um, I love the scene where he's um, swinging through the neighborhood and he's just being clumsy. He's still trying to figure out this whole Spider-Man thing. He's also trying to figure out the new suit. Um, and I love that. Uh, I think my second favorite scene in this film was where he's trying to take, take down the bank robbers. And he's like, oh, hi, Avengers. Thor, Hulk, nice to meet you. Um, I loved it. Uh, it was fantastic. It, was, it really showed the wit of Spider-Man. Um, it was actually, I think it was the first scene that we got to see Spider-Man in action within the MCU outside of Civil War. Uh, just kind of on a solo mission kind of thing, you know? He's being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, watching out for the little guy. Um, so, I loved it. He he was super surprised by the Jatari tech that they were using. And so, um, I loved that scene altogether. It's fantastic. My favorite scene, though, was um, the scene where Tony comes and talks to Peter after um, the fiasco that took place on the ferry. Uh, and then Peter's like, if you really cared to be here, and then Tony just steps out of his suit, and Peter's just surprised. Um, and the thing, about, uh, the thing about this scene that I really enjoyed was where um, Tony tries to make the point of if you're nothing without the suit, then you don't deserve it. And so... Um, and it really enhanced the story going forward because um, if a kid from Brooklyn, not Brooklyn, kid from Queens, Cap is from Brooklyn, if a kid from Queens could take down a guy with Chitari tech who's trying to get the Avengers' belongings, really, um, without a Stark tech suit, uh then, man, he is very much deserving of a Stark Tech suit, and imagine how much more he could do with that. Um, and he saw that he wanted to be able to do that, um, but to be able to do that on his own tech with the web fluid that he made, homemade, um, that was awesome to me. Um, and that's why I love that scene there, because it just enhances the themes going forward within this within this movie. And so... Um, yeah, I loved that. It also kind of showed Tony's character development throughout the MCU within that scene as well. Of course, there were so many good lines as well. Um, but I only wrote down like one honorary one. And then obviously my favorite line, which actually comes from the scene that I just described. Um, so the honorary line is where, um, Ned is still kind of flabbergasted that he's best friends with Spider-Man. And so, <laughs> um, I think this is when they're looking at the Chitari tech in the wood shop class, and or metal shop class, whichever it is. And <laughs> Ned says, I just want to thank you for allowing me to be part of your journey. Um, I, I love that line because uh, what a great friend that Ned is um, there. And then my favorite quote comes from the scene I just mentioned. And Peter says, I just wanted to be like you. And Tony's reply to him is, And I wanted you to be better. And then the argument continues on, and Tony eventually also says, 
If you're nothing without this suit, then you shouldn't have it. And part of the reason why I love the line where Tony says, and I wanted you to be better, that I didn't mention before here, was that it kind of reminded me of an Ant-Man when Hank Pym is talking to Darren Cross. And he says that I saw too much of myself. And I, I believe that that's kind of the same thing that Tony's going through because he doesn't, he doesn't want to be able to see too much of himself in Peter that he's mentoring. Um, which is kind of why Hank Pym stepped down because uh, he didn't want to continue allowing for or enabling Cross to do, to go fall into the evil that he did. Um, but I think Hank eventually saw that by stepping down, he allowed it even more. But anyways, um, yeah, Tony just kind of looks back on his own life and he sees the mistakes that he's made. Um, he might have even regretted his decision with um, the events of Civil War. Um, and so he doesn't want to see Peter go through that as well. And so I love it. Um, and then, of course, he says, if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. Um, I love that. Um, it shows sort of a bit of maturity or mature growth going on in Tony's part two. Um, and so... I just love that scene in general. Fantastic. Um, great lines there. Now, as for the Stan Lee cameo, I loved it. It was fantastic. It wasn't my favorite. wasn't even my second favorite, but it was very well done. I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Again, IMDB type ratings, uh, just for more context there. Um, I really loved it. I love that he interacted with Spider-Man, kind of, um, and he kind of ad, it seemed like he ad-libbed. Um, the lines might have been written for him there. I don't know. But I love that he interacted with the other characters in the scene as well. Um, I, it was a perfect little um, cameo for him. And it, it fell into the story organically well, too. And that's why I loved it so much, too. Um, so yeah, I gave the Stanley cameo an 8.5. There are a lot of other great things to talk about this, uh, talk about in this film. So let's get to it. Um, first of all, if you notice in uh, Captain America: Civil War, when Tony goes to see Peter for the first time, he only has a twin bed. Even Tony recognizes this. He's like, "What gets you up out of that twin bed in the morning?" Um, but in this movie, if you see, he has a bunk bed. Um, I don't know if Tony actually gave him some money or Aunt May some money to be able to buy him a better bed or better equipment or whatever. I don't know. But he has a bunk bed now. So there's that. Um, also, if you noticed, the teacher, Mr. Harrison, uh, the main teacher in this movie... Um, who leads to the academic decathlon team. Um, he's actually the same guy uh, from The Incredible Hulk, where um, he, where Bruce Banner shares some pizza with him um, as he's doing some research in the lab. And, like, he's... Mr. Harrison's the guy that's holding up the pizza and looking at Bruce like, thank you, um, and cheers. So I love that. Um kind of helps keep that continuity going. 
Um, which means that that guy was a student at Culver University at the time. Um, and so now he's Peter Parker's teacher. And along those lines, if you look around in the principal's office, you'll see pictures of the Howling Commandos. Um, you might be even see an Avengers logo. I think I noticed one there too. Um, so it's, I think it's supposed to be that the principal that um, Peter and Ed's principal is the grandson uh, to the guy in Captain America, the first Avenger, who's from Fresno. Uh, he says, um, I'm from Fresno Ace. Um, and so he's the grandson to him. So I love that. I just love the connections there. It's fantastic. Awesome. Also, we can't talk about this movie without talking about Vulture himself. They don't actually call him Vulture directly. They do call him the Flying Vulture guy or something like that. Um, but yes, it's great casting. Michael Keaton does a great job. Um, there is a moment where uh, I think in the first encounter that Peter has with him where they have like this split, this very split second reference to Batman in there. And uh, there's a very split second where um, Vulture flies in front of the full moon. Um, and you see that shot that kind of looks like the bat signal. And I love that because Michael Keaton, of course, played Batman way back when. Um, and so also the music in that scene sounds very much like um, the music from his Batman movies. And uh, as I recall, if I recall correctly, um, please someone correct me on that if I am wrong. So, um, yeah, I love that. I, I love the parallels there. Um, of course, they couldn't linger on the reference because they might get some lawsuit going on there. Uh, but it's fun. I loved it. Um, I love the scene at the red light um, as he is driving Peter and um, his daughter, I forget her name, to um, the homecoming. Uh, and like he's as soon as the light turns green and you see the light on his face, he says, good old Spider-Man. And I love that. That is perfect use of lighting there. Awesome. And of course, I love the plot twist scene. Peter just comes to um, her house. I finally looked it up. It's Liz. Yes, Liz is her name. So Peter goes to Liz's house to pick her up or to see her to the homecoming date. Um, and when he um, rings the doorbell, lo and behold, who is there standing at the door? Her dad. Also, the bad guy that he's trying to take down, it's Vulture, Michael Keaton. What a perfect, perfect scene. Plot twist. You could feel the tension. I remember this moment in the theaters, actually. Um, I remember him opening the door, and I was like, what the crap? And it was, ugh, the tension was high. It was a perfect plot twist. It enhanced the movie so much more. It probably boosted it in my rankings honestly um i love a good plot twist in the movie so that is fantastic also there is a plot twist in far from home um and even kind of no way home uh, i think they just kind of dial down on the plot twists as they go through the spider-man movies but anyways i do love a good plot twist though and that was a great plot twist 
Um, the next thing I want to talk about is Peter's suit. It was awesome. Uh, I loved all the gadgets in it. I loved um, that Ned was smart enough to hack into it. Um, I was pretty well done. Um, but I did like that Ned was also smart enough to realize, hey, maybe we shouldn't tweak around with this because there's probably a reason that Stark did this. Um, and so I, I love the suit. I love all the different um, things that it can do. I love that Peter's, like the whole time, he's learning the suit. Um, I don't know why Karen is really into um, instant kill mode. I don't uh, I don't know what the heck is going on there, but, um, yeah, um, but I love the suit. It was great. Um, and honestly, first time watching, I was just about as devastated for Peter when Tony took the suit away from him because I was like, dang it, how's this movie going to be good now? Um, but they did it so well going forward from there. I loved it. I also loved Peter's relationship with Tony and even Happy. Um, Happy was being sort of a jerk, kind of helped lead the plot forward, though. But um, I loved his relationship with Tony, though. Um, he has this father figure in Tony that he's been missing his whole life. And Tony kind of... You could see those moments where he's trying to make up for um how badly he was treated by his dad not badly i guess just kind of more ignored and dad just didn't see that anyways howard didn't see that but i love that tony is trying to be a good mentor figure to peter um and i think he makes some pretty good decisions in that and uh, it kind of shows you into a glimpse of how he is as a father to Morgan future, well, in the future of the MCU. And so I love that. Uh, I just loved their relationship there. I loved that Captain America had these little videos where uh, we got to see the fun side of Steve. We got to see the fun side of Captain America. It was awesome. Um, I wished we saw more spoofs of him. But I think that was a good touch to have him there. Um, so, your body's changing. I would know a little thing or two about that. I loved it. It was little, like, self-deprecating jokes like that. I loved it. Um, again, another reason to love Captain America. Come on. Um, the soundtrack itself was awesome. I loved that it modernized the old Spider-Man theme and all that. Again, I mentioned the little reference to Batman there. It was awesome. Uh, and they somehow made it fit. They somehow made the Batman thematic type music fit with the movie, with the rest of the soundtrack, with what was going on in the moment. I loved it. Um, the soundtrack was awesome, uh, both the lyrical music and the orchestral stuff. I loved it there. Um so, if you think about at the end of the movie, um, he's already taken down Vulture. Happy is there to arrest Vulture, or the Vulture guy. Um, and if you noticed, what roller coaster is Peter sitting on 
as he rests and watch watches Happy and his crew come and get their stuff. He is sitting on none other than the Cyclone. Now, what is the significance of this thing? Well, if you think back to Captain America, the first Avenger, as the Howling Commandos and Captain America and Bucky are getting ready to zip line on top of the Hydra train, um, Bucky says, this isn't revenge for making me ride the Cyclone with you, is it? So that is the very roller coaster that Bucky and Steve rode together back in the day before World War II. And I love that. I love that. Um, it kind of sort of hints further at the fact that Peter did look up to Steve there too. And I just love the continuation there. Um, I loved that our first scene of Peter in this movie is his homemade videos that he made during the events of Captain America Civil War. Uh, ah, what a great opening way to do it. Um, he makes homemade videos. Like, what teenager wouldn't do that? If TikTok were a thing back then, he'd be making TikTok videos. Um, maybe a series of TikTok videos, yeah. But I... Ah, uh, what a great touch. What a great touch. Um, I already mentioned Ned's onslaught of questions, but I love them. They were fantastic. Uh, he had a lot of good questions and a lot of just funny questions. Um, and then I like how Peter's just finally like, Ned, I don't freaking know. <laughs> Stop asking. Um, yeah, and I think this movie gave us the best version of his bully Flash. Um, because Tobey Maguire's Flash was a legit bully. Same thing for Andrew Garfield's Flash. But I like this Flash because he's more of a guy that picks on Peter because he wants to be his friend or something or he thinks he's better than him. And then uh, later on in the MCU, it's just, it's, yeah. Um, I'll get into that later because that's kind of spoilery. Spoilery, I cannot speak right now. Um, and so I love this version of flash he's not straight up a bully he's just more full of himself um and just can't really see it but anyways um i love it um and so i think that will do it for my overall thoughts on the film uh i think we'll now go on into the devotional the devotional reads in Spider-Man Homecoming, a 16-year-old named Peter Parker discovers a group of guys in New York who intentionally failed to turn in Chitauri technology from the Battle of New York from the Avengers and has been using them to make illegal weapons deals. During this time, he is being closely monitored by Happy, Tony Stark's head of security, because Peter is also an up-and-coming superhero named Spider-Man. Throughout the film, Peter keeps trying to tell Happy that this group, led by Adrian Toomes, aka Vulture, is doing these arms deals while Happy ignores him every time. This situation escalates to the point where the arms dealers plot to steal directly from the Avengers themselves as the plane moves their stuff to the new facility. Of course, Happy ignores Peter again when trying to reveal to him this plot. At the end of the final battle between Vulture and Spider-Man, Peter leaves Toombs entangled in his webbing with a note for Happy that let him know that Peter stopped Toombs from accomplishing his mission. 
Sometime after that, Happy comes to Peter's school to apologize for ignoring him and thank him for saving what he could of the Avengers' property. Since Stark also needed to apologize, he did so by officially offering Peter to join the Avengers, which he declined. The Bible has a lot to say about repentance. It is the basis for salvation, Matthew 4.17, 1 John 1.9, and Luke 13.3, to name a few. It is what restores us in relationship to God, one another, and ourselves. While a lack of repentance will most likely lead to resentment for one another, repentance will likely lead to restoration in relationship with each other and even brings us closer together. It is a sign of humility. If Happy had not repented to Peter for his mistake for repeatedly ignoring his warnings, or if Tony had not repented through offering Peter to be an avenger, Peter would probably not have continued to be the hero he is in the MCU. He most likely wouldn't even be an Avenger. But because Happy and Tony did repent, Peter did become the great hero he is, with a father figure in Tony, and with Tony having a son figure in Peter. Who do you need to repent to? For what do you need to repent? Do you want those relationships to be restored? Will you choose to be patient with those who you feel need to repent to you as God always is with us? Will you, in the waiting, pray for yourself and then come to true repentance where needed? Will you come to repent of your sins to the Lord? Will you ask the Father for, to forgive your sins as you have forgiven those who have sinned against you? Matthew 6.12, the Lord's Prayer. Now, repentance is a very powerful thing. Um, I said in the devotional that it can lead to restoration, but I believe that only takes place when the person is genuinely willing to repent, and the person who is being repented to genuinely wants to receive that offer of forgiveness um, and does forgive them in genuineness. Um, and I cannot emphasize the or genuineness here enough. And so... It is important that we repent, but we also that we receive that repentance. Because um, there are some times when people will repent of their sins to us, and whether we don't want to receive it or don't see that repentance as genuine or not, it's important for us to receive that. Because, again, forgiveness is not for the debtor, but for the person who does the forgiving. Um as it does something to the heart um, of the person who is wronged. Um, and perhaps it might help you to lead, help lead you to think of how you might have wronged them as well. And so I think that's part of the value of that repentance. Because um, when we repent to one another, we restore our relationships um, through the Lord, um, and the Lord will guide that restoration. And that is also part of what it means to be holy, right? Because when we repent, we are actually being like God. Um, it's being humble. Um, again, I said it's humility in the devotional piece. So, repentance is a sign of humility, which is... A character trait that we have with God. There are 
communicable attributes of God, which are attributes of God that we as humanity can also reflect about him. But there's also incommunicable attributes of God, meaning the attributes that only God can possess. And we have no way of possessing those as well. And I have spoken time and time again about repentance here um, on this podcast. And so um, you can go back to those episodes and hear what I said about that there. So some more biblical themes that I would like to talk about here within this movie. Um, This first one comes from the scene where the building comes on Peter after he confronts Vulture and he thinks he beat Vulture for a second, but... um, building just collapse on him and this is the moment where peter realizes that he needs to persevere in order to win this thing and so um perseverance is the thing that i want to emphasize here um if you think about the life of paul he summarizes his life in second corinthians chapter 11 And in this, he describes what his life has been like ever since he has come face to face with Jesus and decided to dedicate his life to him and to spread the gospel throughout the earth. The passage reads from 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 28. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things. There is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So to give you some context behind what he's saying here, the the first thing that he listed, five times I have received at the hands of the Jews, the 40 lashes last one. If you don't know what this means, it means the 39 lashes. Um, He received this, or Jesus received this punishment um, on the day of his crucifixion. Um, It was believed that if you received 40 lashes, that would mean death. So to torture the prisoner, they would do one less than that so as to not give them the satisfaction of death within their torture. And so what Paul is saying is he received that five times. And in reference to the last thing he talked about, that there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. If you really think about it, Paul established a lot of the first churches of Christianity. The Church of Colossae, Philippi, Ephesians, or the the church in Ephesus, which is Ephesians. Um, A lot of them, um, I didn't even name just now, but uh, Paul established these churches and he oversaw them. And... He even appointed people within those communities and churches to oversee um, those churches while he was away. Um, And so he's in charge of all these churches. So what he's saying is that there's daily pressure on him in leading these churches spiritually. And so if you talk to a pastor, 
about what it's like to lead just their own church, that's a lot of pressure. And that's actually kind of a much smaller group of people um, in totality than what Paul was in charge of. And so there's that pressure of leading them spiritually well wherever he was. Um, And so he had the greatest pressure on him as a pastor as well. And so Paul had to persevere through all that to do well. But that didn't come at his own help to himself. That, that came to him by the Lord's help through prayer and petition and fasting even. That's one thing that we have forgotten, forgotten. We have forgotten as a church as a whole is the power of fasting along with prayer, um, which might help us really see that this is the that's part of why we're kind of in the world we are in today because we have forgotten the power of fasting along with prayer um and the lord rewards that because that is what is taught to us in scriptures to do so um by prayer and fasting there were certain demons within the gospels that jesus was allowed not allowed that jesus had the power to um, release from these people, um, from their victims. And um, because, especially in the story after taking Peter and John up on the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, they, came, they came back down the mountain along with Jesus, and the disciples were trying to get this demon out of this person, and Jesus is like, This one only comes out through prayer and fasting. Um, And so prayer and fasting are very powerful weapons. Um, And fasting itself requires perseverance and self-discipline. And so that's why it is important for us to persevere. That way we might be well equipped for the battles we are in and the battles to come. And to be able to testify to why we believe what we believe about Christ as our Messiah and how he works within us, how he works in the world. Um, It certainly requires a lot of perseverance there. The next biblical theme uh, alludes to in 1 Timothy 4.12, where Timothy is told by his mentor Paul to let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Um, and I think that Peter is great is a great example of this, that um, he should prove himself, yes, but um, he shouldn't let others look down on him for his age. Uh, you certainly have um, the vulture and his crew um, really looking down on Peter for his age, like he's just a kid, yada yada, la da da. But like he's so much more than just a kid. Like he's smart, he can do well. Um, but we should not let others look down on us for our age because our age is, does not tell exactly what our wisdom is, even though it could be reflective of that at times. But the Lord doesn't factor in our age as much as humanity or even ourselves might in determining whether we are qualified or 
are worthy of having positions that we do. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And that's why age shouldn't be so much of a factor in our mind. So much as our wisdom. As for the next biblical theme, it is coming from Proverbs 18, verse 24, that says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I think that Ned reflects that so very well. And um, I think that Peter continues to grow his friend circle of people that are described by that verse here is that there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I certainly think that you could see that in Ned here. Um, You can see their camaraderie and their nerddom of talking about building their Lego Death Star. Also, that Ned is such a bro and I want to be the guy in the chair. Um, And that he kind of sticks up for Peter when at the homecoming dance, he's on the computer and the teacher catches him and he just makes the most boyish excuse. (laughs) And uh, I love that Ned is that guy for Peter that he can go to um, to lean on for those kinds of things. And I pray and hope that I might be that kind of person for someone else too. Um, Because we all need someone like that, a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, speaking of Ned, even though he does stick closer than a brother to Peter, um, and in sort of that kind of way, he's kind of the brother that Peter never had, um, and who's a positive influence in his life, at least at this point. There are theories going around that he might move on to become Hobgoblin. But that's for another time. That's for the No Way Home episode. So we'll get there when we get there. Um, But Ned, uh, sticking closer than a brother, he also kind of has his own personal idea of what Spider-Man should be. Um, He knows what Spider-Man is, but then when he discovers that it's Peter that's Spider-Man, he suddenly, knowing who Peter is has a different idea of what Spider-Man should be. Um, and um, Which is a total different idea from what Peter believes that he should be as Spider-Man. He just wants to be that friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Well, at the end of the movie, he does. But he wants to be an Avenger. And Ned wants that for him, too. Um, but they have two totally different ideas of what Spider-Man should be. And... Ned just kind of wants to put him in this Spider-Man box. Um, but Peter wants it differently. Um, and it's really kind of the way we treat God, right? Um, some of us like to treat God like he's a lamp genie. Um, just rub this lamp um, and God will grant us wishes. Um, so that's how we kind of treat our prayer life sometimes too, like... God, if you could just do this for me, that would be great. And that would make me love you more. Um, But really, if you really think about that, if we treat God like a genie, which, by the way, the Holy Spirit is not a genie. Jen Johnson from Bethel described the Holy Spirit as a genie, and that is not true. And here's why. Because if we decide to let God be our genie, and he does what we want him to do, 
then who are we really worshiping? What are we really worshiping here? Are we worshiping the God that makes things happen for us? Or are we worshiping the desires that we want to take place? I certainly don't want to worship my own desires. Um, That's not even wise. Uh, I want to worship the God who equips the called. I don't want to worship a God that calls the equipped. What kind of growth is there in that? So if we put God in a box, we're only going to see God as limited. We're only going to see God as what we put in that box for him or how we stuff him in that box. He doesn't fit in a box. He is a great and almighty God. He he is greater than the universe. I recently saw a picture of like what scientists believe the universe looks like from outside of all these galaxies, a cluster of galaxies, what the shapes look like. It's awesome looking. I doubt it's what it actually looks like, but the thought of it is cool. Um, And God being bigger than that, you can't put him in a box. And so why would you want to? Um, So we can't put God in a box. Otherwise, we're worshiping the box and not the God in it. Yeah, I don't want to worship a box, do you? Mm. I want to worship the God that made me. Think about it this way. God made us to fulfill his purposes. He's the one who created the box for us. And sometimes we don't want to live within that box. And by the way, that box is a safety boundary. That box is the way to guide us through life. That box is scripture. Um, And if we decide to move outside of the scripture, then there's danger. Then we don't live within the Holy Spirit's anointing for us. Going back to the analogy, God created us for a certain box. So why would we try to put our creator in a box that we made? Who's the wiser person here? God or us? It's him. So let's not put God in a box. Now, on to my next point for um, this movie with biblical themes. Uh, It comes from Proverbs 28, verse 20. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. And I want to talk about the second half here of whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Um, Now, granted, that vulture, um, Adrian Toomes here, Michael Keaton's character, at first, he actually didn't really want to go for the big one. He didn't want to go for all the Avengers stuff. Um, But he kind of found himself forced to with having very limited supplies. He can only finish the next job, and that's it. And so that meant... No more food on his table. No more heat in in his house. Um, And he wanted to provide for his wife and his daughter Liz. And so he kind of found found himself between a rock and a hard place and thought, screw it. This is the easier thing. Let's do it. And so he hastened to be rich. And therefore, he went punished. He was punished for it in this world. Now, that's not to say that those who hasten to be rich here in this world will be punished here in this world, but they will certainly be punished in light of eternity um, if they do not repent for it or 
especially even if they don't repent for it and decide not to do good with what they've made. They might have made an honest gain, really. Just because you hasten to be rich doesn't mean that it's a dishonest gain. It most likely does, though. But if you do hasten to be rich and it's an honest gain, I think um, it's best to repent of that to the Lord and then pray about what God would want you to do with that wealth, Um, whether it is help the poor or help someone you know, um, whatever it may be. Um, Because obviously God allowed you to have that wealth. Um, And so maybe God wants you to do something with it. But that is not to say that that will go unpunished unless you repent. So it's best to be a hard worker. Um, the first part of that verse says, "Faithful, a faithful man will abound with blessings, meaning those who are faithful to the Lord's commands. Um, it doesn't make sense. Not at all. Um, Jesus said, For, Seek ye the kingdom first, and all that you need will be added unto you. Um, If you seek God's kingdom first, then he'll give you all that you need. Now for my last point here with biblical themes, it kind of comes from the favorite scene that I mentioned earlier um, where Peter said, I'm nothing without the suit. And then Tony said, if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. See, we are nothing without Christ. But that's the exact reason we should have him. Because he gives us value. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are all three in one. And as I've said before, we are his creation, right? Um, And so, we are nothing without him. Without him, we are not created. He is what gives us substance in life. And so the beauty of Christ is... Even though we've sinned and fallen short of his glory, he gives us the gift of him anyway. Um, it is Christmas time right now uh, that I'm recording, and that, that is the very reason that God, that Jesus Christ came to earth as a baby, as God incarnate, is to give us, to, to give us the free gift of him. And it is an act of God's grace and mercy that he gives his son to us freely that we can accept his sacrifice on the cross on our behalf but we have to accept that so i think that does it for the devotional section of this um thank you for listening and if you would like to join our discord um just feel free to send me an email at mcudevos that's m-c-u-d-e-v-o-s at gmail.com Uh, Or even message me on Instagram, uh, Twitter, too, or Facebook um, from those pages, um, and I can get you hooked up there. Um, Also, feel free, as I mentioned earlier, to check out our TikTok at Oh How Marvelous Podcast. And also, we are on YouTube now. And um, also posted some videos to YouTube that are outside of the podcast here, too. Um, so just look for MCU Devos or Oh How Marvelous Podcast, something like that on YouTube. Just look for the logo you see on your podcast platform and you should be good to go. 
And so that does it for Spider-Man Homecoming. We'll see you next time when we talk about Black Panther on Oh How Marvelous. Back.